1: From the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water.
2: Yaman, welcome to Night TV Radio. Coming up in your program on this Monday, August 28th, well, as NITV's The Point program stopped in Tasmania on its ninth leg of the referendum road trip last week, we discover Tasmanian elders, leaders, and community members' perspectives on the upcoming referendum on Indigenous Voice to Parliament. Also on NITV Radio today, we have an interview of Tos Maoni, Artistic Director of uh, Tara, talking about uh, the journey down... A new contemporary sonic sculpture and a powerful cultural object that has been created in the East Kimberley from an old car wreck. Johnny Down is currently traveling across WA from Kananara to Perth through the Kimberley, Pilbara, Goscoyne, Midwest, and finally onto Perth. Also coming up in the program today, we have a couple of stories shared by NITV's Nala program, including a report about the importance of having indigenous doctors in regional, rural, and remote areas. All these and more—all these stories and more—coming to you after the latest on NITV Radio broadcasting from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Monday afternoon. Betran Tungandami. Ngaya. I am Betran Tungandami. A new report reveals Indigenous Australians are overrepresented in overdose deaths. Prime Minister Antonio Albanese, to host a top level meeting with his ministers in Western Australia, made renewed focus on mining and critical minerals. And fee free TEF enrolments far exceed expectations. A new report released by Pennington Institute six Australians lose their lives to drug overdose every four hours, with 75% of these deaths occurring unintentionally in 2021. The Australia Annual Overdose Report 2023 highlights that since 2001, Australia has seen more than 37,000 drug induced deaths. According to this year's overdose report, Indigenous Australians are overrepresented in overdose deaths, with the rate of unintentional drug induced deaths being drastically higher than for non Indigenous Australians. In 2021, the rate of unintentional drug induced deaths for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people was 20 per 100,000 people, compared with 5.9 for non Indigenous people. John Ryan, CEO of the Pennington Institute, emphasises the need of a comprehensive plan to prevent overdose in the country.
4: You know, there's not enough uh, uh, healthcare services uh, and there's not enough uh, engagement with those communities about the risk. So they actually need very deliberate and special uh, care and attention because they're more vulnerable uh, than the rest of the population. And uh, we're not doing, because we don't have a comprehensive plan to prevent overdose, we don't have an uh, emphasis
2: on uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander risk in relation to overdose. The Australia Annual Overdose Report 2023 is being released in time for International Overdose Awareness Day on 31st of August, which is the largest global campaign to end overdose. For more information on overdose prevention access, go to OverdoseDay.com. Senator Lydia Thorpe has revealed she's the politician referred to in a recent threatening video. On Friday, the 25th of August, Australian Federal Police said a 30-year-old Melbourne man had allegedly made threats of violence toward an Australian senator and has since been charged with using a carriage service to menace, harass or cause offence. Ms Thorpe has come forward and identified herself as that politician. Her office says she is currently unable to make any further statement due to the ongoing physical impacts from a car accident she was involved in last month. Prime Minister Antonio Albanese is visiting Western Australia as he prepares to host a top-level meeting with his ministers. On his 15th visit to the States since taking office, Mr Albanese toured mining giant Rio Tinto's rail and port operations in the Pilbara the Prime Minister's visit comes amid renewed focus on mining and critical minerals after a landmark report found the potential for lithium demand to increase eightfold by the 2060s. Australia's critical mineral exports are also forecast to double over the next five years. Mr Albanese says Australia needs to become more self-sufficient.
3: We're a country that I want to see make more things here. I want to see us continue to export our resources, but wherever possible, value add, create jobs in advanced manufacturing here. There is no reason whatsoever uh, why Australia can't be making batteries given the resources uh, like lithium and copper and nickel and others which are here in Australia. Recovery
2: crews are continuing the grim task of determining what caused an aircraft carrying 23 U.S. Marines to crash in a remote area of the Northern Territory coast. Three U.S. Marines were killed and another 20 were injured, including five taken to hospital in a serious condition when the aircraft crashed on Melville Island, 80 kilometers north of Darwin, on Sunday morning and the chief minister natasha files says all resources have been deployed to secure the site
1: the site has been secured with defense and northern territory police on melville island and we also have the australian defense force along with defense personnel from the u.s that were participating in the exercise have stood up a response additionally i have kept the prime minister and the deputy prime minister updated And I have also reached out to the United States Consul. We wanted to make sure they knew every resource in the territory was focused on this tragic event.
2: In a statement, the U.S. Embassy in Australia says it is grateful to the Australian responders, adding that its deepest condolences go out to the families and friends of the victims. Military analyst and retired U.S. Colonel Cedric Layton told Channel 9 about what may happen next, referring to a similar crash over Norse prayer in Norway last year.
4: Normally, what will happen in a case like this is they'll have an operational stand down. They will actually ground the fleet of aircraft. Uh, They will assess uh, what
5: had happened. Uh, Part of that will, of course, be the accident investigation. The other part is going
4: to be, uh, you know, what kinds of conditions were there? Was there a weather issue Uh, like uh, was the case probably in Norway?
2: A revamp of Australia's business register system has been ditched after an investigation found it would cost five times more than originally flagged. The Labour government has called it quits on the triboid programme that intended to streamline the task of registering a business in Australia. A review into modernising the programme started by the former coalition government found it would cost as much as $2.8 billion to complete. The expected initial cost was around 490 million million. The investigation also found it would take nearly a decade to complete rather than four years. Assistant Treasurer Stephen Jones said the previous, government need, the previous government needs to take responsibility for the delays and overblown budget. Mr Jones said the previous government did not understand what they were doing. Free TEF enrollments have topped 213,000, soaring past the initial 180,000 target six months earlier than anticipated. The care sector is the biggest winner, with more than 51,000 students, who are about a quarter of all enrollments. Construction attracted almost 21,000 enrollments, technology and digital scored almost 17,000, and the early childhood education and care almost 12,000 each. Women made up the majority of enrollments, with more than 60% and more than a third are in regional areas. Prime Minister Antonio Albanese said on Nova Radio during his trip to Perth that the success of TAFE shows that the Indigenous voice to parliament referendum is not distracting his government from other policies.
3: After this interview, I'll be heading out to a TAFE to talk about how The numbers of fee-free TAFE, Mm -hmm. which were supposed to be 19,000, have been well exceeded. So we're skilling up uh, young people and retraining people for jobs here in the West. And so we're continuing to do all of those measures. The Royal Commission into Defence and Veteran Suicide
2: is holding a hearing in Melbourne. It focuses on leadership, accountability and military justice, as well as issues relating to the rehabilitation of veterans and the organisational culture of the Department of Veterans Affairs. The Commission was established in July 2021 to examine cultural, structural and systemic issues that are contributing to high rates of suicide and suicidal behaviour in the military community. Professor Ben Wadham of Flinders University told the commission about a precise case where medication failed to improve the condition of a veteran.
4: One of the problems about um, medication regimes is that sometimes they can be overloaded. Um, and in this case, um, Dave's regime wasn't, medication regime
3: wasn't handled that well and it led to um, exacerbating his issues. That combined with some uh, personal life issues around uh, family and children um, led Dave to take his life.
2: Victorian medicinal cannabis users will be put through a closed track trial to see when it's safe for them to get behind the wheel. The 18-month trial will look at the level of impairment that can be caused that can be caused by medicinal cannabis. Current road drug testing can only identify if THC is present in a person's system, but not whether it comes from medicinal or recreational cannabis. The trial will not change the fact that it's illegal to drive on Victorian roads while under the influence of THC. A government spokesperson says it will not take place on public roads to ensure there are no safety risks to participants or members of the public. And to sport in basketball, Australia has suffered a heartbreaking defeat to Germany with the Boomers squandering a great opportunity at the last second. The Australians have lost 85 to 82 at the Okinawa Arena in their second game of the FIBA World Cup against the Germans. It was a huge missed opportunity for the Boomers as Germany suffered a major. Blow before Sunday's game with the inclusion of rising NBA star Franz Wagner who suffered an ankle injury late in Germany's win over Japan. NBA player Dennis Schroeder played in his absence leading Germany with 30 points, 8 assists and 4 steals. It has been a tight contest until it had been a tight contest until the end with Josh Giddy hitting a shot from long range to settle the game. And now, having a look at the weather around the country this Monday afternoon, Broome, sunny 34, Perth, partly cloudy 23, Adelaide, similar conditions 21, Melbourne, partly cloudy 19. Hobart, partly cloudy as well, and a top of 14. Albury, Wodonga, mostly cloudy, 17 degrees. Canberra, shower of 218. Wollongong, possible shower developing, 19. Sydney, partly cloudy, 20. Newcastle, partly cloudy as well, and 22. Brisbane, possible shower, 25. Townsville, sunny day, 27. Cairns, possible shower, 27 as well. Alice Springs, a sunny day ahead, and 28 degrees. Darwin, sunny, 34. And the Torres Strait Islands, particularly their head, and the top of 29 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.
1: NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 pm, or anytime online.
2: I am Bertrand Tungandame, and you're listening to ITV Radio coming to you from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Monday afternoon. Coming up next, interview of Tosmaoni, Artistic Director of uh, Tura. Tosmaoni will be talking about the journey down a new contemporary sonic sculpture and powerful cultural object currently travelling across Western Australia. also have a couple of stories shared by NITV's NALA program including a report about the importance of having Indigenous doctors in regional rural and remote areas but first NITV's Tasmanian elders, leaders and community members sharing their perspectives on voice to Parliament Your community Your conversation
1: NITV Radio
2: well, last week, the ninth leg of the Point referendum road trip stopped in Tasmania. During this stop, the Point co-hosts Jean-Paul Junkie and Narelda Jacobs met elders, community leaders and locals to explore their views on the proposed referendum on Indigenous Voice to Parliament. During this ninth stop of the referendum road trip also, the Point correspondent, Kira Jenkins, spent some time with Aboriginal leader and lawyer, Michael Mansell, a vocal opponent of Voice to Parliament. They spoke about culture and Michael Marcel's vision for the way ahead As you'll hear, culture informs Michael Marcel's approach on the voice referendum Just a warning, the following segment contains audio that relates to cultural practices Including hunting and animal treatment that may distress some listeners
1: Babel is the only island off the east coast of Flinders Island And the only way here is a nail-biting 15-minute boat ride across the Bass Strait. The birders on Babel Island have caught 200 muttonbirds since sunrise. (laughs) Their goal is about 600 a day. Steel Mansell has been coming out here his whole life. It's hard work, but Steel considers it a cultural obligation.
6: I helped my grandfather run the shed, stepped into that role, so I've got to keep coming back. It's not that I want to, so I have to.
1: Steele's joined by a crew of about 14 others on the island. Most are his relatives, including his grandfather, Michael Mansell, one of the most well-known Aboriginal Tasmanians. Michael is an activist, lawyer, author and chairman of the Tasmanian Aboriginal Land Council.
7: Oh, he's a legend. In my eyes, he's a legend to the blackfellas, you know, to the community.
4: But just another day in the office out here, I suppose, is... Yeah, we get up about quarter past up past five, just sort of have a coffee and and a cigarette, and then we sort of go, oh, all right, we'll head out, because we've only got a real little crew this year, so we're doing all right for a little crew, and an old man rolling around out in the, out in the woods it's good.
1: In the 1960s, there were 30 sheds here on Babel. Nowadays, there's just one, and sometimes, out here in the rookeries, there's just one birder. After the birders get their quota, they head into the sheds.
4: Some will pluck, some will help clean, some will open, some will brush down, some will lay down. So, but everyone's having a bit of a go just so we all get in and get it done as early as we can and get finished. You no, know, it's family and family stick together and you just come out and do what you have to.
1: Scott Jones has earned the title of fastest plucker in the streets. Scott has been birding for 28 years and it's culture that keeps drawing him back.
3: It's just me and me blood and I brought, up, I brought up with it. Come over here all my peoples here see all
4: your friends in the year, you know, so enjoy, I enjoyed. it, otherwise I
3: wouldn't come back.
1: Mutton birding is hard, dirty work, and even living on an island as remote as Babel for just a few weeks of the year would be a challenge for many. But Michael Mansell says continuing the practice is a matter of
7: Aboriginal survival. If it's an option to practice your culture or be assimilated, you're going to be assimilated. So... It's only if Aboriginal people feel obligated to continue with that connection that it will survive. It's the only way it will, will survive.
1: Katana Mansell runs a traditional food business in Hobart. A 22-year-old says, as a proud Palawa woman, this is part of her identity.
5: I think it's really important that our family are connected through culture and our cultural practices that our ancestors have been doing for thousands and thousands of years. And I believe that the reason why we are here is because we're passionate about who we are and where we come from.
1: Michael Mansell is famous for his radical pursuits, like visiting Libya in the 80s to win Colonel Gaddafi's support for an Indigenous state of Australia. Michael now spends much more time on Babel and out here, surrounded by his family and old friends, those pursuits seem like a lifetime ago. I
7: came back to it when I was 40, when I started 30. OK. Straight from the courthouse, the steps of the courthouse, to Midgo.
1: Michael Mansell's distaste for the voice is clear and he does not hide his contempt for the current debate.
7: Under the white man's constitution, it says you can have a seventh state of Australia. The white people in 1901 said you can have a seventh state of Australia. Okay, return the lands to Aboriginal people and allow us to form our own Aboriginal government. That's part of the constitution. And we have the same powers as the state government. And the constitution protects us then against interference. But how can you get that discussion going? when you're talking about some stupid advisory body called a voice. We don't need another body. We just need people to listen to what we're saying.
1: Right now, the biggest fear here on Babel is whether they can get enough birders for the next season. It's getting harder to find people willing to brave the elements and the long days.
7: Without government support, the Aboriginal cultural birding will eventually close because you have to have these expensive buildings and machinery that goes with it. We found it very hard to get state or federal government interest. Are ready for this? I think,
1: I don't know. I think so.
7: The big hope here is that this isn't
1: it, that there'll be more time out here together when the birds return in a year and that more young people will put their hand up to come to Babel and take part. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm failing at this.
7: Like I remember when I was a kid 3 years old I came out to this island. I didn't do any mutton birding, but I came out here because all the community would come. The thing about the families, you had no choice, you just you had to go. And now I'm saying to my kids and grandkids, you have to
2: come. That story was produced by an ITV's The Point correspondent, Kira Jenkins. Last week, The post The Point also featured Tiangi Brown's perspective. Tiangi Brown is Aboriginal learning facilitator at Tasmanian Museum and Art Gallery. Talking The Point, he explained how he has been practicing cultural budding all his life and highlighted the hurdles he faced along the way. Tianki Brown also explains how practising his culture will inform the way he'll be voting in the upcoming referendum on Voice to parliament.
3: One of the only reasons why I kind of got to experience it as a cultural practice kind of regularly and from such a young age is because growing up there on Cape Barron Island, you know, on one of the ex-missions, you know, in the Bass Strait itself meant that I had that quick quick and easy access to be able to go mutton-burning when a lot of other community members who live in Hobart or Launceston usually wouldn't be able to get to able to travel all the way over there and spend an entire month like I'd have to take an entire month to five weeks off school just to go and do it um that's why I only did it till I was about 14 because when you're a teenager you can't really take an entire five weeks off school to go and practice your culture um so that's something I started to notice is wait a second you can only really experience maybe when you're a bit younger and then maybe once you're an adult you can take the time off to do it so there's no system for young people to actually have their culture passed on to them and so it's something that I've always put forward and because I've worked in the education system for some time now is I want to put into some kind of like TAFE course, which is like a culturally, cultural competency one where uh, young Aboriginal people can actually go away on a one to five, five week course out on country and they're, they're getting their meatwork ticket and they're getting their working in a team ticket and they're getting their, um, practicing their cultural tickets. And so essentially they work away with some certification saying that they had, you know, accounts for what they did. As a part of their culture, because it's something I always thought is I'm doing all this stuff, I've got years worth of skills and effort working in businesses, but I've got no ticket that says that. And you know, I'm going and doing the practice of my culture, but then I'm almost disadvantaged by it because I'm missing out on school, and it's something I noticed myself. So, um, being able to make it more embedded into society, that it's acceptable to go and practice your culture. Mm. um, Ronnie, you've
5: been really um, outspoken about being allowed to continue culture and and cultural practices. Um, Is that something that The Voice could provide advice on? And if we look at people in the no camp who have said that um, the the Voice won't go far enough, uh, that's something that they say a lot, that the, the advice won't be listened to. Um, what do you say to them and, and what do you say to um, notions, you know, that the, voice should be, the referendum should be cancelled?
6: Yeah, look, I, I think about saying no in this referendum. I don't think the people that saying no should be saying no to me. They should be saying no to those kids that's wrapped up in that justice system, those kids that's in that prison. Tell them that things are going to stay the same. Tell those people that are dying 10 years younger than anyone else that it's going to stay the same. Tell the people that's in out-of-home care that we're happy for them to be there for the rest of their time, that nothing's going to change. So if we vote no, things will stay as they are. They're the people we need to be talking to about this. And if we do have a no vote, how far back is that going to put treaty and truth in this country? How long before we'll start talking about truth and treaty in this country if we have a no vote? This country will go backwards very fast on Aboriginal issues if we have a no vote. So what do you think the no says about the status quo? Well, the no's accepting the status quo. It's acceptable to leave everyone exactly as they are and I don't accept that. I accept that we need to make change and we have people in there, we vote people in to make change so these people, we can change their lives. We're talking about change in a lot of people, kids' lives. We're talking about education and employment and housing. Tell the people that haven't got a house or they've got 30 people living in the house that we're going to leave, we accept what you're doing. 30 of you is enough in a house, 20 extra kids in it might have 40 people, 50 people in a house. Tell them that you want to leave it the same. I think it's a, it's a very strange point of view and I, that's why I'm voting yes.
2: Yeah. That was Ateangi uh, Brown talking to The Point co-hosts Paul Junkie and uh, Narelle Jacobs. The stories are excerpt from NITV's flagship program The Point that aired on Tuesday, August 22 and adapted uh, for radio. Just for your information, the point airs on Tuesday nights at 8.30pm. If you missed the last episode or want to see it again, you can watch it anytime on SBS On Demand. We must now go to a break, but stay with us because when we come back, we explore journey down with Toss toast mahoney. NITV Radio.
1: Share our stories on Facebook.
2: The Journey Down is an animated and vibrant celebration of dance, song, projections and otherworldly sound coming together to transform an old car wreck into a travelling canvas of story and culture. The car is about to embark on a 3,446 epic journey from Kananara to Perth, through the Kimberley, Pilbara, Gascoigne, Midwest, and finally on to Perth. And uh, joining me to explore this epic journey is uh, Tos Maoni, Event Artistic Director. Welcome to NITV Radio, Tos.
4: Well, thank you, it's, uh It's a delight to be here and uh, as, we, uh, as we prepare for the big journey down.
2: Yeah, the big journey down, I gather it's a project bringing together many artists, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. It's been a long time coming, bringing so many people together. How did you get involved in uh, this uh, project?
4: Well, our organisation, Tura, has, um, has been uh, doing collaborative work, uh, intercultural collaborative work, uh, across the Kimberley and Pilbara, and even the Northern Territory, for the last 20 years, Virgin, and um, this is a, a, a very much a sort of two-way exchange uh, process between the Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists and and peoples, really. Uh, and it's been much of that 20 years has been you know developing relationships and understanding and and trust uh, with. Communities, organisations, and individuals, and certainly one of the highlights, one uh, community that uh, there's been a lot of collaboration with, is the Warman community in uh, East Kimberley. It's a community about 200 kilometres southwest of Kununurra. Um and is Warman community is the community main community of the Gija people. Really, this process itself started when as part of that ongoing intercultural collaboration when uh, the Warman Arts Centre and Tura joined together to bring an artist called John Rose to Warman for, to do um, a project which was an ongoing process for John, which is turning old car wrecks into musical instruments. We'd done it the year before in and which is in the West Kimberley, and then in 2017 we did it in um, uh, in... In Warman. and it was a big success. Community really got into it. Um, and it might sound like a sort of almost gimmicky, gimmicky, strange thing to do, but it's actually uh, an incredibly uh, powerful process. Not only the, the making of, but then the playing of, just in brief, um, by welding all sorts of other, uh, you know, a wreck was found, and then other parts of other wrecked. Cars were welded onto it to make a giant percussion instrument, and then from the front to the back of the car is strung um, fence wire and with fence trainers. And these are you know, so it turns it into a big stringed instrument. So these wires get um, bowed with cello bows, then the whole thing is amplified, and it just makes a incredibly powerful sound object.
2: Quite an elaborate process, and uh, it also appears that uh, this uh, project has been in. The making for quite a long time.
4: That happened in 2017. The WA Museum was very interested in the project. I should say, Bertrand, all along the way, um, this was being documented, filmed and photographed. The year after, Tura commissioned through the Warman Arts Centre 10 uh, Gidger artists to do paintings on on the object, on the car. So this made it even a more powerful, uh, engaged uh, project. Again, that was documented, and then two years later, I'll, I'll try and keep the story short. There's all sorts of side short stories involved. Okay. Uh, the museum acquired the object and all the documentation to put it on permanent display at the Perth Museum. So this is the state museum we're talking about, uh, Bula Badeep, it is called in Noongar language. Then we came up with the idea of it would be great to, to create a sort of performance project um, again a sort of intercultural performance project and tour that all the way down and, and so the idea of the journey down which is literally from now Kananara which all the way down to Perth so we've created this program which involves the car being performed uh, some Gija and Milwong, uh, Milwong are the is the language group and traditional owners of the area that's known as Kananara. Um, and have a long history of sharing culture and, and law together. So the dancers and songmen are part of the uh, program as well as, uh, non-indigenous performers, musicians together with some amazing footage that has been recorded over the, the period of elders, elders and artists telling the stories that are painted onto the object. And uh, further, the, some of the paintings have actually been here animated by an artist called Sohan Hayes, and they get projected back onto the object and and onto a, a giant screen made of corrugated iron. So that's a long answer to your question, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it's a long answer, but again, it just uh, sparks my curiosity to learn more about this object. You should have given it a name so that uh, that name stays engraved in uh, one's memory. I can just picture well, it.
4: <laughs> sorry, well, that's a good... good uh, provocation to tell you the name, it has a Gidja name which is um, called Wannerul Nurnurul so um, um, uh, um, it actually literally means old car (laughs) so Nurnurul is the Gidja word for a car and Wannerul means old so um, that's the name the elders have given it Um, so Wannerul Nurnurul
2: Wannerul Nurnurul old car, Uh, cars play a big role in our culture in Australia the great open roads and all that and bringing this uh, object uh, to life uh, requires a lot of work. You've just um, just given us in a few words what was involved in it. Mm-hmm. Now, rehearsals could be quite a challenge because uh, you said there's uh, some percussion and uh, string instruments on another side. How do you rehearse on an instrument like that?
4: Um, well, pretty much the same way as any instrument. Um, um, we, we have uh, on the... Non-indigenous artists we have involved in this project: um, Vanessa Tomlinson, who's the head of percussion at at, uh, at Queensland Uni, and um, Aviva and Dean, who's an amazing um, multi-instrumentalist, and Tristan Parr, who's actually a uh, fabulous cellist. So they bring all those skills to playing the object. And we actually did have a re- sort of development uh, last year where we all spent a week with it, along with the uh, Chris Griffiths, Merong, dancers, songmen, and 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 some guider artists as well. So, um, it, it, it's a matter of um, yeah, look, pretty much the same sort of rehearsal as you, you'd do for any sort of performance. But to, of course, bringing in those um, uh, other tra- the older traditions into a into a sort of theatrical framework, as you say, it is a challenge to make sure that um, things aren't being constrained at, at the same time. As things working all together, and uh, we've still got another we've still got uh, another ten days to go of development and rehearsals to, to bring it all together for the world premiere and in uh, Kalanara.
2: Yeah, that will be on the 24th of August uh, precisely. This object. Uh a car is a massive instrument i think one of the biggest would be like one of those uh, church <laughs> organs and all that uh, how do you bring it on stage you must require a special uh, stage to be able to fit it would be also heavy
4: um <clears throat> the stages for the tour is is the ground everywhere we at all the venues that we're at whether that be um, the Kanara Picture Gardens or the Jumba, which is the traditional dance grounds in Warman, so it really is the ground. We it's a, we, have, we have had a custom-built car trailer built for to protect it, and you know it gets rolled on it off and on back onto that car trailer everywhere it needs to be. So um, uh, you, you know the the ground is the stage. Um, as I said, sort of the stage is marked by this big uh, corrugated irons. Steel um, screen, um, but then you know it, and then special lighting that we've got to, for the show. So, it, look, it's it's still a pretty massive undertaking from a production point of view, especially going to remote communities and, and uh, towns that we we are going to. But uh, all is in hand, Bertram.
2: Yeah. In Australia, we have the old uh, Ford uh, versus Holden. Uh, will uh, the rivals be able to recognize which brand they bark for and uh, spark more conversations about uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> Well, I think we've already published what it is, which is a, a 1976 Mazda Ute, um, you know, which, you know, Mazda, not necessarily renowned for its outbackness, but uh, look, I'll, I'll let others comment on that. But look, the, the point you made before, Bertrand, uh, you know, car, the car in Australia, especially the vehicles in the Outback, have not only played you know a critical role in the last hundred years, but they, you know they are imbued with story and and culture for that matter. There's all sorts of stories aligned with um, with cars and their and their you know their importance, and, and not just not. In themselves, but the stories that they carry, and these old wrecks that um, um, create a really um, interesting and important visual element in the in, in Outback Australia now, um, it, it is very much part of culture. So, um, as I say, this is not this is not just some gimmick. Or let's turn a car into an instrument. And, you know, da da da. Um, it really is the connection is and a lot of the stories that are getting told in fact we're running a parallel um, community engagement program with people um sending in uh uh, uh stories connected with old cars and travel and uh, you know the wrecks that are in the landscape so um and look to be sure a wreck isn't necessarily is not, not something that's been involved in an accident It's really the the car has had its use as a as a vehicle and, and is in that now rusting away in, in beautiful ways in the in the environment. So um, it's it's those that we we are sort of focusing on here. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, no I can't wait to see it. Now, mm. before I let you go, Tos, mm. any closing words or maybe something we may have missed you'd like to bring to the attention of our listeners?
4: Uh, just the that uh, to say on the on their behalf, if you like, that um, it's been an incredible privilege for me and our organisation to be able to work with Gidja elders and artists and also Mirwong elders and artists with this project and to have not only their permissions and endorsements for this project but to have them enthusiastically involved in it and and driving it, increasingly driving it, excuse the pun as it were with a car but uh, increasingly drive its direction and uh, its future and I think for them this is a sort of gift that they're giving um, to on ultimately to the 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 community of Perth where it will be in permanent display to the community at large but also to Gidja and wrong people that are in Perth so they have this connection back to country. If this is a long journey, that journey doesn't stop because it'll be on permanent display in the museum which is so utterly fantastic that the museum did acquire the object and now putting it on display to share to share the process and and to share story and country.
2: Tos Mahoney, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on ITV Radio today.
4: Thanks, Bertrand.
2: And that was Tos Mahoney talking about uh, Journey Down. Uh, he started its epic journey on the 24th of August, ending in a few days' time, actually, no, about three weeks' time. Two weeks' time from now, September 16. Now, if you want to find out more about the journey down, this story and other related stories are published on our website, sbs.com.au/slash NITV Radio. We must now step aside again for another break. When we return, we have a couple of stories shared by uh, NITV's NOLA program. Visit
1: sbs.com.au/slash NITV Radio.
2: Welcome back. Now, First Nations health leaders have welcomed plans to have more young doctors train and work in regional, rural and remote locations. It's hoped that young doctors who train in the bush can be retained there. Guy McLean reports.
0: Alice Springs Hospital a poignant backdrop to announce plans to double the number of young doctors who train and work in regional, rural and remote locations.
4: It takes young doctors um, uh, into rural and regional areas and gives them really significant and worthwhile experience in rural and regional practices.
0: The news warmly welcomed by those attending today's NT Primary Healthcare Workers Summit also held in Alice Springs. We need to have an influx of interstate trainee
7: GPs and allow and have the flexibility for them to undertake work, GP work, in rural remote communities where the need is
0: desperately required at the moment. The John Flynn Pre-Vocational Doctor Program, a $75 million federal injection over three years hundreds more young doctors to get a taste of bush medicine in the hope they'll stay.
1: To experience and learn from local people and to to learn to love how to provide improved health care and access to care for people across the the vast country that we work and live.
0: The Northern Territory a major beneficiary. By 2026 there will be more than 100 extra young doctors undertaking placements in Territory hospitals.
1: More GPs coming through our system, which in turn provides better quality health care for Territorians.
0: One small step towards bridging the city-country health divide. Guy McLean, NITV News.
2: Much of Australia has been put on high alert over significant bushfire risk this season. The warning came as the seasonal bushfire outlook was released at the National Emergency Service Conference in Brisbane. First Nations personnel say they need to be part of the planning and decision-making when it comes to fire management. Tanisha Williams reports.
5: After the Earth experienced the hottest year on record... Australia's fire chiefs have called on people to prepare, warning that a combination of new vegetation after years of rain and a dry, hot spring and summer ahead will bring fires.
0: We're bracing for uh, a difficult fire season because unlike 2019-20 when we're in that drought, we've had significant rains so the grassland areas, uh, particularly in the western part of the state, uh, are prolific. So um, there's more than a metre tall grass uh, and we've had frost and dryness that start to kill off that grass so it's all ready to burn.
5: Authorities have outlined high-risk areas across the nation in the spring seasonal bushfire outlook from Cairns in Queensland's far north and down the east coast to Sydney, pockets in Victoria's Gippsland and in South Australia also in the firing line. There is relief for some areas in New South Wales where the black summer bushfires of 2019-2020 ripped through, labelled normal risk. And burn-offs in the top end have reduced the fire risk in the central Australia region. Our mob have been caring for country by doing fuel reduction burns for generations. Here at the nation's biggest annual fire and emergency services conference, First Nations people are calling on authorities to include us more in preparing for the fire season.
3: So it's not just about us coming to the table and warming up a seat. It's about us being able to lead a conversation, tell them, tell them when I say tell them, government, government, um, you know the heads of departments about this is what we really want to do around our space and, and supporting our indigenous communities.
5: First Nations delegates have also urged authorities to move away from Western practices of burning and adopt traditional methodologies in their preparations.
2: We're starting to see an influx of mob joining our brigades, um, having them out on the ground and working with QPWS on the ground as well. As
1: Yeah, it's been fantastic seeing a lot of that change, especially in the application and the way that we
3: apply fire on the
1: ground.
5: Using cultural knowledge to prevent catastrophic fires. Tanisha Williams, NITV News.
2: And that was a uh, travelling man by a uh, Fitzroy, uh, Ex- Fitzroy Express, and that's all from uh, us on NITV Radio today. NITV Radio will be back on uh, Wednesday and Friday this week at uh, one PM, uh, respectively. I am Petronungandame, thanking you for your company this Monday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. Yellow.